Hi, I'm Ann Prisco, president of Holy Family University, and you're listening to Asked and Answered. In this episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by Zibet Tiluxing, president of Global Philadelphia. In 2015, Philadelphia became the first U.S. city to be named a World Heritage City by the United Nations. This is a distinct honor for our city and one that my guest today, Zabeth Tilesing, was directly involved in making happen as the executive director at the time of Global Philadelphia. As one of Philadelphia's leaders who was helping establish Philadelphia as a global city and convening leaders from throughout the region, I will be speaking with Zabeth about the impact that Global Philadelphia is having on education through its many programs and partnerships throughout the city, as quality education in Philadelphia is one of the group's priorities. Zabeth, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on Asked and Answered. I'm going to throw you a suggested question and we'll take it from there, okay? Welcome. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here and to meet you directly. Thank you. What does it mean for Philadelphia to be designated as a World Heritage City? And why is that important? It's really important because it enables us to position ourselves internationally in a way that's really meaningful around the globe. We have in our city a UNESCO World Heritage Site, Independence Hall. And as a consequence, we're able to be active with the Organization of World Heritage Cities which is a UNESCO affiliated organization that sits in Quebec and that is an umbrella for 330 world heritage cities all over the globe. And part of that work is looking at how we can align the needs of Philadelphia with what the UN has identified as their sustainability development goals or SDGs. While they're all important, right, and all address critical needs, global needs, the one especially I'd like to speak about right now is education. So could you talk a little bit about the way the organization thinks about its work around education in Philadelphia? Yes, I'd be happy to. But before that, I'd just like to make a juncture between World Heritage and the SDGs. Obviously, World Heritage is one set of designation. The Sustainable Development Goals is another. That being said, as we travel and meet with other World Heritage cities, we have reached a point where the two intersect quite actively, notably around climate action, which is number 13 of the SDGs. And the reason for that is because World Heritage sites all over the world are actually being affected by climate action, among other things, climate change. And of course, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of talk about how to mitigate that. And Philadelphia is indeed one of those cities. Recently, you saw that we were flooded when we had a lot of rainfall, and that affects our sites and other World Heritage sites all over the world. And so there's an interface between the two. But pivoting back to your question, there are 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Each of those is a call to action to improve the world. And I like to underscore that because they're actually being measured ever since they were implemented in 2015. And there's an end goal for the moment, which is 2030. So last year in September, when the UN met in New York, they were actually talking about the halfway mark for these different UN Sustainable Development Goals. And that was really important because 
the measuring is ongoing. And thanks to the pandemic, among other things, some of our SDGs had indeed gone backwards in terms of progress. So for example, SDG number five, which is gender equality, definitely took several steps backwards, among other things, because women were not able to implement their jobs as effectively as children were left home during the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. So I like to underscore the fact that the measuring of these SDGs is an ongoing process, and it's really important to the effectiveness of the overall sustainable development goals. In terms of education, that's SDG number four, quality education. We have indeed been partnering with a number of universities in the area around the sustainable development goals. We were working with one specific university for SDG number four, that's St. Joe's University. We were also able to highlight one of Philadelphia's public school schools, which is allied with that university, and that's Gompers Elementary School, which sits on the city side of City Avenue in the uh, Winfield area of our city. In terms of our public art project, that's where the process started. But as we work with more and different academic institutions and schools, of course, we find ourselves implementing different areas of the SDGs with different partners. And we are going to be working with St. Mary Interparochial School on that piece of the work that we are doing, as well as the School of the Future in Parkside, mm -hmm. which is a school district school, and a couple of other schools that we've already identified, notably Frankfurt Friends, which is also a friend school within Philadelphia, active with the SDGs. And in a way, that's part two, if you will, of our public art project, which is first to put up works of art that are relevant to each SDG and to underscore those in the Philadelphia area, and then to move on to a natural implementation goal and work with individual schools. So it's a combination of work in the ground, but also public awareness. And and I am so delighted to hear that St. Mary's Interparochial is one of the schools that you're working with. As we both know, that Dynamo principal, Jada Puglese, is a three-time alum of Holy Family University. And when I got to visit her, I was delighted also to see the artwork that was running along the fence and the property, right? And being right there in Society Hill, it's so visible. I was quite impressed, having been familiar with the SDGs myself, to realize it's amazing to see her elementary school students, right? They talk about them. They, they are conversant about the SDGs. So, so I'm looking forward to having a more opportunities, although from what I just learned, do you want to share what you were just telling us about? You have worked with a Holy Family student. We were very fortunate to work with Daniel Ortiz. I think the year was 2018 when he joined Global Philadelphia as an intern. We have a very robust internship program, and this internship program helps folks who perhaps haven't necessarily had the opportunity to travel overseas to really think about their city and region more globally. And Daniel came to us, started as an intern, turned out to have fantastic ability in social media, which is an area where we're very present and active. And so Danielle actually joined the team and started working with us part-time in the social media arena, spent a couple of years with us doing that before getting his first full-time job in the Philadelphia region. Daniel truly was a fantastic person to work with. We still keep in touch, and I am truly grateful to have had the opportunity to work with him 
and have him as part of the team. So, and we'll have to be sure we send you more as we get engaged together and, and send you additional interns. We do think it's an, a very important experience for students because many times we will tell them and we require every student to have at least one internship. Sometimes thinking you wanna do something and learning that it isn't the right fit is just as important as finding the, the, the position that is the right fit. So I very much appreciate, and it takes a bit of effort for the organization that's taking on an intern. So I appreciate that, you know, you're willing to put the work in and develop that relationship and serve as a mentor as well. I so think sometimes I answer you know, that if you may. Sure. Plus, all it's one of the favorite parts of my job. Just happened to look on LinkedIn today and one of my former interns, probably more from 2014, is now at the World Economic Forum. What a natural fit. She started at GPA. Another intern came to me saying, I'm really not a writer. We have a writing program. She ended up writing 14 articles and also has a senior leadership level, a job in Philadelphia. Yes, I certainly wouldn't take all the credit, but I really do enjoy watching these folk evolve and really become who they're meant to be. And Global Philadelphia helps them on that journey. And it's really very rewarding and gratifying for me. Well, but thank you. And thank you for taking that on. Because it's always in addition to what we say is our, you know, our our job or our day job or our regular responsibilities. And thinking about, you know, someone who's lived in different parts of the world and now being in Philadelphia, and I'd like to focus on SDG4 and education, right? What do you see as the real challenges that maybe are common for for other cities in addition to Philadelphia or are different from as you think about what our challenges in education are relative to other places. So SDG4 is about imposing quality education. Yeah. And I think quality is an important word there. As you know, there are a lot of struggles and headwinds in terms of a quality education. You know, we can talk about practical things like schools not having air conditioning in the summer, for example, to the fact that they may not have the resources that they need, to the fact that, you know, students don't necessarily have librarians, mental health counselling and things they need in addition to the very good teachers that they may be confronted with in their school. That being said, as I go around doing the work that I do, I find myself presenting and speaking to different school bodies. And I am amazed and really impacted by the fact that a lot of folk in the schools are really extremely committed to the success of their students. And also to see that in Philadelphia, because of the kind of populations that we have, there are many schools that are incredibly diverse with kids literally fresh off the airplane from Ukraine all the way through to children who perhaps are second generation from Puerto Rico in our city and everything in between. And really fun to talk to these kids about what they know about being global, perhaps the fact that they wear different clothes at home. Of course, that they all eat different food Foods. and they actually yeah. like to talk about that with their friends and the different food their mom prepares for them and different things like that, which I think you may not be able to travel, but just learning from each other in terms of your differences is really very valuable as you go into adulthood. And what about the connection then? So a couple of things. One is we do know that part of the issue clearly is, is resources and funding. And as an institution that was founded, Holy Family started, but to create opportunities for teachers and nurses. So the idea that we've always been committed to preparing the next generation of teachers. 
and leaders and educational leaders, it's, you know, it's something we talk about a lot in terms of how do we re-engage young people in the teaching profession, right? And how do we get them excited about what, about being educators themselves? And is this something that we're seeing? I, I mean, no, it's certainly an, an issue around the U.S., but is this, do we see this in other countries as well? Is it just, not only just lack of resources, but literally lack of prepared people to teach? Well, you know, of course, teachers are treated differently in different countries. For example, one of the countries I come from, France, a teacher is more or less a civil servant and receives, first of all, has to do very rigorous exams to become a teacher. But once they are a teacher, they are treated rather well in terms of their benefits and their retirement and their position in the community. So I think it does depend country by country. But I, I do think that part of being a teacher apparently would be a calling, really, because you do have to invest so much of yourself. It so happens I actually have a personal story to relate to in this subject matter. I have a niece in France that was indeed trained at the highest level to be a high school teacher. But after three years of teaching children actually how to speak English, she, although she was in very good schools, felt that the pressure of the results that these children needed to show was just more than she could handle as a person. And she very artfully retooled herself into becoming a clerk of the court, which is also a very good job in France. And she was able to do that. I guess the point being, it really is a calling. And as a teacher, you have to be willing and able to accept all of these different pressures that come with the job. And some people are great for that and others maybe not so much. Yes. And so part of it is how do we have a large enough population sort of just thinking about it so that those who would find it a calling because it's very similar to what we'll we'll hear about the nursing profession. It's the same kind of idea that you really have to sort of be cut out or it's got to be the right fit. You have to have a passion yes. to do that type of service. Yes. But of course, as you know, there are also advantages. For example, the school holiday advantage when you're raising a young family and things like that. So yeah. obviously that can be attractive for some people. And I don't doubt that it does bring some folks into the profession. And as I'll say at the end of every day, as someone who's never really left school, I've always, since I graduated from university, I've been working at a, at some sort of higher ed institution that this, what a wonderful opportunity we have to impact young people and to and people of all ages to provide them with the opportunity to learn more and grow and engage. At the end of the day, we're in education. What a beautiful life to commit to in terms of helping other people advance as well. Yes, absolutely. It's a service that one can enjoy. And it also keeps you very young. You know, if you're dealing and interacting with young people, they're showing you the way many times. So I want to pivot a minute a little bit more about the organization and sort of how you see your role both locally and then how it gets connected to this bigger vision of, of, of being global. So, you know, how do you manage the synergy between being the local person and then also having a global perspective? Yes, absolutely. So, of course, the global perspective comes naturally, given my upbringing, for which I really am very fortunate. With that, what that means is you may look at things on the ground differently to what somebody who hasn't traveled or hasn't really thought about certain aspects of a city because they haven't had the opportunity to have a lens which sort of showcases things a little differently. That being said, what's really wonderful about Philadelphia is the great variety that exists here. 
And that presents real opportunity for somebody like myself. And in a given week, I may be meeting with an academic institution. I may be talking to someone who runs a specialized library. I may be going into the community and talking to a community organization. But each and every time, there's an international aspect to it, which oftentimes may be overlooked by people that haven't really given that some thought. But with someone that wears my hat, there really is a lot of opportunity. And I think that's one of the greatest things of running Global Philadelphia. Because if you come to me saying, look, I'd like to know more about folks from the Middle East, for example, in our city. Well, I either know who to turn to or we know who to ask. And I think obviously that's very helpful to all sorts of different entities in and around. So then perhaps once or twice a year, I am privileged to travel representing Philadelphia to meet with our other World Heritage cities. And there we're talking about different aspects of managing and running a World Heritage City. Some of it may be indeed what we were just talking about, which is pulling the threads of different communities together and making those an asset at the heritage level, if you will. Alternatively, it may be something very technical, such as water and flooding or the deterioration of World Heritage buildings and more technical aspects like that. What I really like about it is I've been doing this and working with the Organization of World Heritage Cities pretty much for 10 years now. And our city, Philadelphia, has a very good reputation in terms of being at the table, active, and very much participating in that organization. Indeed, under Mayor Kinney, under Mayor Kinney's administration, he did indeed become part of the board of the Organization of World Heritage Cities, thereby really raising Philadelphia's profile and it's wonderful to be able to do that and help Philadelphia in all sorts of ways through that and from the economic development lens and the cultural lens and others. And um, that is really, I think, a great thing for our city and something that our city needs. So, Zabeth, one of the things that I very much enjoy doing when I have these podcasts is because so many students will listen to it is to hear you speak a little bit about how did you come to this work? And clearly, I love your accent, and you're not from Philadelphia. How'd you end up here, and why Philly in this in this particular role? Sure. So I, uh, there, too, there's a great lesson to share, which is that before I started this job, I had chosen to be a stay-at-home mother for 10 years. I was living in South Florida, where my husband had a very good job in the IT industry, and there really weren't too many opportunities for me there. And so I decided to actively raise our daughter. That being said, I did a lot of volunteering and was very active. But when we moved to the Philadelphia area, it was time for me to get active. And lo and behold, this startup, Global Philadelphia, was put on my radar. They needed someone, huh. to their executive director. And it was really a natural fit for me, able, me to be able to join and work there. But in my prior iteration, if you will, I jokingly call myself a global knowledge peddler. What does that mean? Well, as you heard, I worked for Time Magazine in Paris. I worked for an international conference company in Boston called the World Economic Development Congress. And I worked for a ad agency, J. Walter Thompson. So really what I am very good at is international communications and putting different things forth, if you will, through different means of communicating. And that is why 
social media, as I mentioned earlier, and the young man, Daniel Ortiz, was so important because in essence, social media is now the current way of really communicating effectively, certainly in certain channels. I really enjoy social media. And that's another little learning lesson. Really encourage folks of my generation to jump yeah. into social media because you learn a lot and it's also a terrific tool in terms of communicating. So communications and an international lens really is my specialty. And in Philadelphia, do you find that people are very receptive to the mission of the work that you're doing? Or do you find people maybe are a little more isolationist or you know just concerned about their own backyard sort of perspective? No, they're pretty receptive. And uh, well, we've been active since 2010. I joined in 2011. Global Philadelphia has become a very established entity in our city. We do work that I think people definitely use and activate. In fact, with the recent advent of the World Cup in our city for 2026, the fact that we were the first World Heritage City in the US was very much used as part of the bid. And if you look at their website today, you'll find that they're still talking about that as it was indeed a great asset for our city, placing it internationally. As those of us who live here know, Philadelphia is a little bit of a hidden gem. And I do occasionally meet people that say, I really would like to keep it a hidden gem. But I think the cat's out of the bag on that. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, we've gone beyond, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. I know there's going to mean a lot to the city to be hosting the, uh, the World Cup. That's going to be a great event. And as a child of an immigrant from Italy who grew up playing soccer and struggled to try and find a TV channel that because back when I was young, right, soccer was not or football was mm -hmm. not something that was very popular here. So you really couldn't even find the, find the games on. And I remember how important that was to him. So I'm delighted to see that the U.S. is more involved in that sport generally because it is such a global sport. And, and it really it's, is. you know, it's wonderful that we're engaged in that. And, and in a way that says we realize, you know, we, we want to be connected to the rest of the world in this way. And regarding communication, when I think about what can educational leaders, how can we help prepare our students for a world that's so interconnected and interdependent? You know, we're always thinking about that. I mean, the latest challenge now is going to be artificial intelligence. You know, we're not going to stop artificial intelligence. So how do we how do we teach our students to use it as yet one more tool in their toolbox? And when we think about the challenges that are going on globally right now, maybe what sort of words of advice or guidance would you suggest educational leaders be thinking about? You know, for me, it's very practical. It's looking, again, that different lens that one brings to the table. So have your students watch a little bit of NHK TV straight out of Japan, for example. Watch the news once a week from Japan. How is it positioned? Watch France 24. It's in, not in French. It's in English. Same idea. And if you can, you may not be able to travel to Europe. It's expensive. But get yourself a passport and go spend a week in Quebec City. It's not that far. It's not that expensive. And you're just going to learn a whole lot more about different kinds of money, different ways people talk. All of that, basically understanding that what's happening in your own sandbox is not necessarily what's happening in the rest of the world. And I think that's particularly more important in the current times, because the more we progress, 
the more our news cycle and our news is becoming extremely intense and very personally demanding. And what that, the ultimate result of that is you're not paying attention to anything else because you actually don't have the cycles. But if you start thinking a little bit differently about what's going on out there in the rest of the world and how different things are being positioned and placed, I think that's really helpful, among other things, to your critical thinking, which is one of the things that United States universities are so well known for, the critical thinking that perhaps doesn't go on in some of our competitive countries, and the reason why folks are still flocking to these shores for an education. Yeah, thank you. We always have to remind ourselves that we are we have gotten pretty good at this and that even educational systems are, are different, right? And education at the tertiary level is very different depending on where you are in the world. When we think about our students, I want to pick up on a thread we were talking about before about the idea that many of our other people in Philadelphia may not have the opportunity to travel to other countries. But how fortunate are we to live in such a rich cultural environment where we could learn so much from each other without having to leave the city, actually? Yes. So one of my favorite things to do on a Sunday afternoon when the weather looks like this, I will go to the Philadelphia Museum of Art and I will walk through all the different rooms that are in that museum. I will go to a Chinese temple. I will go to a Japanese tea house. I will go to a French cloister. I will go to a historic room in Amsterdam and I will have traveled and thought differently without even jumping on a plane. And I love that. So the idea that that's something as educators, we can constantly encourage our students to do, not to feel hampered by a geography or resources. If they can, we could figure out ways for, for, for us to learn from each other, even very, very much right here in the city. Absolutely. Yes. And of course, you know, restaurants and our, our great cuisine plays into that. You don't have to spend too much money to go and eat different and meet different and think different just by going to an international restaurant in our city. And so tell me, what are your priorities now as we move forward? We know we'll have, the, you know, as a World Heritage Site and the World Cup is going to be exciting. If you could ask us to pay attention, what would you recommend we be paying attention to? Well, big picture, of course, is the Sustainable Development Goals always looking at ways to implement those in our city and beyond. And of course, working with partners, because obviously that's the way that kind of work happens. But as I mentioned earlier, I do really appreciate the fact that the Sustainable Development Goals are measuring. And I think through that measurement comes progress and a great value. On the ground, I am on the board of Philadelphia 250, and that is the 2026 celebration of our city. Of course, our city is uniquely placed to have that be a real special celebration. And I would ask that everyone, whatever it is that they're doing, start thinking about what they will be doing in two years' time in terms of celebrating the uh, 250th anniversary of our nation. Yes, it's going to be a really exciting time. And I'm looking forward to having Holy Family University play a, a vital role in all of this because we're celebrating our 70th year anniversary now. So the real anchor institution in Philly, especially Northeast Philadelphia, now in Bucks County. So I'm looking forward now that I've been in Philadelphia for two and a half years myself to, to see how we can continue to grow in our presence and involvement 
when the vast majority of our students come from the city limits and are very much interested in staying here and serve and continuing to serve communities and you know take care of their own families. It's been so interesting to speak to you as someone who hasn't grown up in Philadelphia, but sees the vital, the richness and the resources that are here and the opportunities that are here, as you said, as a heritage city, which maybe we forget to be proud of. Absolutely. And again, go out there, discover something new. You know, there's so much that I haven't yet seen here that there is to see. And it's just great to be in a city that is so very rich that way. Well, thank you so much. Any parting words for my students who are listening, who may be listening to this? Just pay attention to the world around you. I think those are my parting words. Yeah. Amen. Amen. While doing that, also sort of maintaining their own sort of boundaries about how much they can all absorb, right? We've been talking about this. The news cycles are so fast and, and they keep moving and it's easy to get lost and get disaffected and want to tune out. So it's so important that they not tune out. I think that's absolutely right. You know, when you're young, you may not know necessarily boundaries and measurement, but be a little conscious of what it is you're absorbing, be it through your telephone, your computer screen, or your television, and just adjust that dial a little bit. Amen. I know I have found some days I've had to do that. I literally can't watch the news, right? I'll want to hear what's going on, but I don't necessarily want to see it. Because I realize, I don't think any of us as human beings can watch some of the images that have been on the news these last few weeks and not, even if we don't think we, we're stealing ourselves, you know, that we know we're seeing something difficult, it's got to have some sort of impact on us as human beings. Absolutely. So yes. That's why I think the balance is important as well. Well, I can't wait to get to do more work together and send you yet one more fabulous intern. And, yes. I, and I wish you much success. And as we know, these sustainable development goals are very important. And Philly should have a special focus on them as a heritage city. So I thank you. I thank you for this work and how we can move forward together to bring more global awareness to the citizens of Philadelphia. So thank you. Thank you. And it's a great pleasure to meet you and to be talking with you this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to future collaborations. To learn more about Sabeth and Global Philadelphia, please visit globalphiladelphia.org. And to learn more about Holy Family University, please visit holyfamily.edu. Onward and upward together in faith and family. I'm Yam Prisco, and thank you for listening.